We're looking today in the book of Acts, starting in chapter 1, and um, this is the very first message in our series on the Holy Spirit, which we call Power Up. Excuse me. We all need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and a lot of times there's different um, perceptions of what the Holy Spirit is all about. So we hope that over the next few weeks, we can help you gain a better and a deeper understanding of how the Holy Spirit can be a part of your life each and every day. In Acts chapter 1, we're going to start with verse 3, and I'm reading from the New International Version. It says this, After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you, going, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the comforter that you have promised us. We thank you for the power that you have promised us as we allow the Holy Spirit to be a part of our lives each and every day. We pray, God, your blessing on the message today. We pray your anointing on pastor as he comes to share. We pray that our hearts, Lord, would be ready and open to receive whatever you have for us today, Lord God, that would make us more pleasing before you. Guide us and lead us and let the rest of our service continue to be blessed and anointed by your power. In Jesus' name, amen. The day of ascension. Have you ever... uh tried to imagine that day when Christ ascends into the heavenlies? How many of you have uh, ever been to Israel? Raise, raise your hand if you've ever been to Israel. A number of you have. If you go to Israel, and, and we're going to try to take another trip in about a year and a half, so if you want to go, start saving some pennies, and, and we'll try to do that again. Uh, but you get to go to the Mount of Olives. You get to stand there and, and see this place where so many amazing things took place and uh, you, you kind of ima- I've, I've always kind of imagined it through the eyes of the uh, of the disciples in fact I've seen many scenes seen scenes on TV in fact years ago we had a, we did a dramatic presentation of some of those scenes and and uh, uh, there was a some of you will remember this uh, there was a we had this fog machine that was supposed to come and it was going to blow out around Jesus at a certain time and he was going to disappear as if he ascended into the clouds. And, and the guy with the fog machine turned it on too early in the song. <laughs> and the fog came and it 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 came because he knew he wasn't supposed to turn it off to a certain line in the song. And it just stayed on until you couldn't see because the whole place was filled with smoke by the time we were done. 
I've never seen a, I've always, I've never seen a scene that really helps me capture that completely, but uh, I've always imagined it, but I've always imagined it, I've always imagined it through the eyes of the disciples. Suddenly, Jesus being taken up into the heavens and, and disappearing in, into the clouds and it's no wonder that they stayed there staring into the sky until some angels show up and tell them, move along and get to work. I mean, wouldn't you? He's gone. It's, what an amazing scene that would be. But today, I want us to take a look at that scene a little bit differently. This time, not through the disciples' perspective. But think about that, this scene and what's just unfolded, what we've just read from Jesus' perspective. He is about to ascend to the throne and he's looking at his disciples. He's about to leave them and he sees them standing there in front of him. He's trained them and taught them for three years. He has been with them these last 40 days after his suffering and the resurrection, and he's clarified things for them. He's taught them the Bible teaches us and helped them come to understand about what everything that's happened is all about and what's going to happen. He looks at his disciples and he sees people who know the truth. He sees his disciples, the people who believe in him, they're with him. He, he sees his disciples as people who want to do the right thing. They have the right desires. He sees them as people that he has trained. But he also sees his disciples as people who are not ready for the tests that are ahead. He sees people who have knowledge, but the knowledge on its own isn't enough. It's not going to last. He sees people that with all they have seen and all they've experienced and all they know on their own, they're going to stumble and fail. Jesus at that moment sees the weakness of man. With all they have known, with all they know and all they have seen, with all they believe and with all the desire that they have in their heart, he looks at them and he sees they're still not ready. They, they still need something else. And so he tells them, listen, don't act on any of this stuff yet. Don't do anything about any of this stuff yet. Go back to Jerusalem and wait. Wait. He saw that they need power that they didn't have. And he was going to send that power to the church and give them the very thing that they needed. He was not going to send them out alone. The disciples were not going to take on a job that they were called to do and go it alone. They were not going to face the trials and the beatings and the imprisonment that he knew was ahead for them alone in their own strength, in their own power, with just some knowledge and memories of what they had experienced. They were not going to go out into the world and in their own cleverness and their own creativity and their own 
abilities proclaim the message. They were not going to face martyrdom alone. He was going to send the Spirit, and they were going to be empowered by him for all things. There was going to be a new strength come upon them because the power of the Spirit was going to dwell in them. The question we would ask today is, when Jesus looks at us, we know what we think when we look at him. We know how we feel about him and what he's done for us. But how does Jesus see you and me? Well, he, he knows we need training. His words here, he raises, up, he raises up people with gifts around us to help train us. He knows we need knowledge. We have to understand what this is about. And he didn't give us a mind for it to be blank. He wants us to learn and to know. He knows that we need a foundation and that that foundation has to be laid. He knew that for the disciples. He knew that for them. And he knew that they needed new strength. And he knew that for us. And he knows that we need strength. See, it's only in Christianity. Take all the religions of the world. This is one of the unique things about Christianity. Christianity talks about the Trinity and about the Spirit of God dwelling with man. There's many unique things about our faith. But here's one of the outstanding ones is that God isn't just far off watching us, but that his very spirit is with us at all times, and he's here to dwell with man and to empower our life. And over the next few weeks, as we talk about this unique aspect of our faith, we want to explore what the Holy Spirit's work is for us what he does in our life, and how he will give us power in our life. The power that Jesus told us that was coming and that comes in the very presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, don't take me wrong. We need training. We don't need to unplug our brains. We need training. We need knowledge. We need to know the Word of God. We need to have the right foundation. But hear me. We also need the strength of God to do the things God has called us to do and the things that we're going to face in life. So today, I just want to talk for a couple of minutes before we go about where does the power of the Spirit impact our lives. And again, over the next five or six weeks, we're going to go into more and more depth on that. And on Wednesday nights here in the auditorium, they're going to be talking about the gifts of the Spirit and how those things work in our life, because the Bible tells us, listen, that to each one a manifestation of the Spirit has been given. Do you believe the Word of God? Amen. If we believe the Word of God, then we need to understand these things about how God works in our life. So let me just share a couple with you. Uh, one of the things the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit moves upon us with conviction power. The Holy Spirit convicts us. A conviction is a deep-seated sense that we know 
something is true or something is false and that action is required. It's past just a knowledge of something, a wondering about something. It becomes something deeply seated within us, an awareness of truth. In John chapter 14, Jesus says this, talking about his leaving and that it's good that he's leaving. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This is one of the jobs and the works of the Holy Spirit in our life is to remind us to, if you will, convict us, to whisper in our ear, don't say that. Don't do that. Go repent for that. Go say this. Go do this. Go act this way. The Spirit speaks to us and reminds us and leads us into all truth. This is when the truth of Jesus goes past the mind and becomes alive in the Spirit. It's when I know, it's when it goes past my understanding of what the Bible has written so I can simply tell the stories, know the stories, argue the points, and it becomes a conviction deep down in my spirit that it's true, that it's right, and I need to live by it. Have you ever heard the saying, a leopard cannot change its spots? Uh, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, a leopard can't change that, you know, and, and they say that in, the, in this tent, in this kind of a, a sense. That guy's never going to change. That's just who he is. He can't change. I, I don't believe he's going to change. Leopard can't change his spots. It, it speaks to man's inability to change on his own. It, it speaks to man's inability to be transformed on his own. And I want to tell you, there's truth in that statement. We don't have the ability to change ourselves. We need the power of God to come and bring change into our life. The revelation power of the Spirit of God changes us. It makes us new creatures. Old habits that we couldn't believe we could live without suddenly we get a conviction that we don't need them in our life anymore. Old ways of talking, of treating people, old viewpoints about other people become transformed and our hearts become softened and we become more open and receiving of other people. Old beliefs begin to fall to the side. Old things that we thought were right begin to be given, given up and new beliefs about how we should act begin to move in our life because the Holy Spirit moves in our life. What we know in our mind becomes a revelation of the truth. That This is where the mark that was mean becomes the mark that is kind. This is where the mark that was selfish is transformed and becomes the mark who is generous. This is where the mark that was hate-filled, revenge-filled, becomes the mark that is loving, wants the best for others. This is where the mark that was lust-driven becomes the mark 
that is caring and that values other people. Not of his own doing, not of his own power, but of the conviction and the moving of the Spirit of God in the life to make what was old and dirty and nasty and it was, I was used to and comfortable with distasteful and ugly and once, once something I want to be behind me and to be transformed into something new. That's not done on our own. It's not done just by knowledge. It's done by the work of the Holy Spirit. So plug your name in there. And any of the things that, have, that are happening in your life or have happened in your past that the Holy Spirit has moved in to change in your life. The Holy Spirit is the great change agent. It's by the Holy Spirit that, that, that we are baptized into Christ and we become Christians. And it's by the Holy Spirit that we become transformed into new creatures. So here's the question. Have you been changed? Are you different than what you were before? Are you so different that the people who knew you before, when you see them again, you, you, you know, the first thing you have a tendency to do, you haven't seen them in 20 years since you've been saved, you go, uh, do I need to apologize for anything? <laughs> Is there anything that I did that's still weighing on your mind and your heart? I want to get it right right now. Have you ever been there? Have people around you ever said, well, you've really changed? Do you know that that should be a compliment? And when somebody looks at us and says, you're just the same as you've always been, that should cause great pause. That should make us go, whoa, 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 whoa. Time out. I'm supposed to be a new creature. I'm not supposed to be what I used to be. Now to get there, for that to happen, I need the power of the Holy Spirit. I need conviction to move in my heart and to change me, to change my desires and to transform me. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that challenges us to that change. It's the voice of the Holy Spirit and the convicting power of the Spirit that awakens us to a truth. Have you ever been awakened to a truth? One minute you're doing something, you feel absolutely justified in it, absolutely right in it, absolutely uh, like, like you're doing the right thing, and bang, the Holy Spirit hits you, and you go, oh. It's the Holy Spirit that awakens us to a truth that, help, that brings us to change. Both of those things happen in us as the Spirit challenges us to be formed into the image of Christ. We should be bright and shining stars in a dark world that doesn't know how to act, that's acting out of a sin nature that's being transformed into a Christ nature. It's also when you feel the Holy Spirit, a power that comes in our words and the things that we say. Have you ever been talking to someone and you know you've got an answer for them? Maybe you're just giving them advice. You know you've got a good answer for them. Maybe you're talking about the things of God and you're trying to help them see the things of God. You're witnessing to them. Maybe they're even being polite, but you know it's getting nowhere. It's getting nowhere. It's going no place. They're smiling. They're nodding. They're looking for the door. They're trying to get away from you. See, the Holy Spirit 
gifts us at times to say things in the right times that pierce like a knife to the depth of the soul of the person who's hearing us. I am so aware when I walk on this platform every Sunday that my words on their own have nothing to do with any change that can happen in anybody's life. Unless the Holy Spirit awakens you to this truth that you need his power upon you, you will go out of here, you'll forget it, you won't pay attention to it, your life will go on like it should. But if today, if the Holy Spirit anoints this word, and down in your soul you go, wow, I, I need to be changed by the Spirit. I need the power of the Spirit. I need transformation. That doesn't come by any strength I have. That comes by the power of the Spirit. I pray, I seek God, I listen to words, I try to study and hear what he wants me to say each week, but I am greatly, greatly aware it has so little to do with me when it gets to this point. It has everything to do with his power flowing through us. This is why we need the power of the Holy Spirit so we can speak into, our, into the lives of those that we love. And it's also... This revelation power. See, the Holy Spirit builds our faith. It strengthens us. The Spirit builds our faith against every argument to the point that you can be standing in, some, in front of somebody who may be smarter than you, who may have more knowledge about something than you, that may have thought about the different arguments more greatly than you have at this point in time in your life. And they may be trying to just destroy you with their words. And down in your spirit, you may be going, you know what, I, I, I don't have the answer to that right now, but I know it's not true. I know that's wrong. You're listening on TV and somebody's bombarding us with some truth. And you're going, wow, that, that sounds really clever, but I know that's not true. I know that's not right. I know if I study a little bit more, work a little more, bit more, God will give me an answer. Why? Because the Spirit gives us revelation. It gives us a sense that's right, that's wrong. And that's why we need the Spirit moving in our life. Think about this. When the day of Pentecost came, some 50 days after the resurrection, up until this time for 40 days they've been with Jesus. He's been talking to them. He's been spending time with them. Now he has ascended into heaven and he's told them, you're not ready yet. Listen, boys and girls, you're not ready yet. Go wait on me. And they've been in Jerusalem. They've been hiding out in the upper room. They've been waiting on the Holy Spirit. Listen, I've seen a lot of movies. I've seen a lot of different things try to depict this. None of them have ever really satisfied me to what that scene most likely looked like. But all of a sudden in that moment, like a mighty rushing wind, tongues of fire, new giftings fall upon these men and women. And they begin to speak in ways and in boldness and in strength that they never had before. By the end of that day, 3,000 people have crossed the line of faith. The church begins to explode onto the scene. Suddenly these men and women who Jesus looked at 
just a few days prior and said they're too weak, they're not ready, they need power. Suddenly, they're out in the streets of that community proclaiming a message that will now spread across the world because they have power. See, the Holy Spirit brings conviction and the Holy Spirit gives us courage. The Holy Spirit gives us courage, and it did to these men. They were now ready. This is the power, the the, the Holy Spirit gives us the power to fulfill our calling even in a skeptical world. You may live in a very doubting place. You may go to a workplace that's full of skeptics. You may live in a family that is full of skeptics, people who doubt, people who don't want to hear it. I want to tell you, that's why you need the Holy Spirit. We live in a world that if you turn on your TV, you're going to hear the skepticism and the doubt about our faith and about what we believe. But when you are filled with the Spirit, when He is upon you, you have the courage to stand in all things. The strength to stand in all things. The courage to step out in faith in some area of your life where you haven't trusted him yet. And suddenly the conviction comes and the courage comes to step out and to do what you should be doing. The power to do what is outside of your comfort zone. In the last few weeks we've, been, we've challenged you and pushed you and encouraged you to invite people to church for Easter Sunday. So many of you did that. Some of you are back today from last Sunday, and we're so glad you're here. We're so glad you came back. But do you see what happened last week? Last week on Easter Sunday, a bunch of us, I met so many of your friends coming in the door. You introduced me to them. Some came and said, oh, I'm looking for so-and-so. But do you see what happened when we, when we all pushed the same way? And work the same way. We had three services last Sunday filled with people because we went out and did what the Lord would tell us to do. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we get the courage to go past our comfort zones. Think what would happen if we did that every week. If, every, if it just became a part of our natural DNA to invite people, to share with people, to tell them about the life-changing experience that Jesus has given to our lives. Last night I was, uh, I was at a store, this last night. I'd gone and picked something up, and I'd picked it up and had gone out, and, and it was just a small little thing, and, and I, the, the guy was there, a young man was there at the door, and, and uh, you know, I hope he comes today. But he was standing there, he was standing there to, to pay, I, I paid him, and and I, I just, it was just so, we, we didn't talk, you know, 30 seconds. And, uh, and I turned and started to walk out. And I spent, since the Spirit of the Lord say to me, I, I love that young man. Go invite him to church. And in my mind, I'm going, really? <laughs> I didn't talk to him for 10 seconds. You know, it, 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 it was a, it was a transaction at the cash register. And the Spirit said, go, go, go invite him to church. So I go back and I introduce myself to him. And ask me if he's ever heard of, heard of our church, the one with the cross out front. That makes it really easy for people to identify. <laughs> yeah, so I want to, have you ever been there? No, I want to invite you to church. He says, well, when are your services? I said, well, we have 9 and 10.30. He goes, well, I don't know if I can make it, but I'll, I'll try sometime. 
I said, we want you to. As I walked away, I thought, well, what, what, what's that? And, and here's, here was a sense that I got. What if this next week, from whatever church they go to, 15 or 20 people invite that young man to church? What if every time he's turning around, somebody's saying, hey, why don't you come to church with me? Why don't you come see our church? Come, come on out. We'd love for you to come. What if we filled our community with people again and again and again saying, you know, I've been invited to church three times, four times, five, five times. I mean, every time I turn around, somebody's inviting me to church. Do you think maybe the Holy Spirit could use that? Do you think maybe the Holy Spirit would convict us and use us to just simply look at people in our lives and say, you know, we'd love for you to come be part of our church. I looked at him before I left and said, listen, if you come, you're going to meet some really nice people, so everybody be nice, okay? <laughs> Can I, our witness is the most important thing in our lives. Don't ruin your, you don't want to ruin it in front of your kids, you don't want to ruin it in front of your spouse, you don't want to ruin it in front of your workplace. That's why the Bible says and teaches us even when there's disagreements, it's better for us to lose and our witness stay intact. Our testimony stay in place. To give it up and to walk away from it. Because see, friends, we're supposed to be these people who are used of God. Let me tell you also where the Holy Spirit helps. It, it, uh, the Holy Spirit's going to help you in the face of trial. You're going to face trials on this earth. Nobody shout me down now. You're going to face trials. Things are going to happen. We live in a fallen world. There's going to be things that happen we don't like. There's going to be things that other people do that we don't like. The Holy Spirit's there to give you strength through every trial. To help you in every situation. And so I just want to challenge that. The Holy Spirit's available. Is there some place in your life where you need the promises of God or where the promises of God are not unfolding in your life? Then you need the power of God to be with you in every place of life. We need that touch of the Spirit. Now let me kind of wrap this up today. The Spirit, Spirit power gives us Spirit freedom. Let me say that again. Spirit power gives us spirit freedom. This is what it says in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to go into this more deeply in a couple of weeks. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, the work of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. When the Spirit moves in us, we get freedom from the sin nature. We get a new nature. And over the next weeks, we're going to explore how that freedom and that life comes with the Spirit being active.
active in our lives, with us inviting him into our lives, with his touch being upon us. We need this power of the Holy Spirit in our lives so, one, we can live in victory, and so, two, we can serve others. Because ultimately, this is what God calls us to, is to walk in victory before the world and to serve others in his name. The Holy Spirit's not some spiritual merit badge that we try to put on. But the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity that dwells in us and moves in us to reveal the work of God in us. So here's my challenge to you today. This is really simple. This week, read the book of the, the first and second chapter of Acts. Read it every day. Read it a couple of times this week. Just see what happens in the first couple of chapters of the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit falls and let the Spirit of God speak to you and ask the Lord in your prayer time, where do I need new power? Where do I, where do I need you to help me? And you'll begin to see places where the Spirit of God can help you. Are you with me today? I'm going to wrap this up. This is kind of, we're going to take kind of a right turn here, so hold on. Yesterday, as I was praying for this service, the Lord brought me to this scripture. That the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. And it just became so crystal clear to me in that moment that some of you in this room today are struggling with joy. I'm not talking about happiness. Happiness is based on the things that happen in life. And all of us have things that happen in life that aren't good. The question is, how deep does it drive my despair? How, how strong is my faith? How am I walking with the power of the Spirit that gives me joy? And the great picture that we get of that is, is of, you know, the guys in prison after being beaten, singing praises to God. That's not because their circumstances are good. That's because the power of the Spirit is upon them. And before that night's over, the jail cell shakes, the doors fly open. And the church at Philippi is birthed. Why? Because the power of the Spirit is greater than any circumstance that we face. And so today, I just, I, I just want to, in a moment, we're going to have the worship teams come up and we're going to stand together and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to invite you, if you're struggling with joy, if you're struggling with the spirit of joy in your life at any level, just to step out and come down around the front, and we're going to pray for you before we go. So let's stand together right now. Father, I've sensed in my spirit today that you want to touch people with the new touch of joy. And today, Father, I just pray that for all of us, you put a new hunger in us to walk in the power of your spirit, not in our own strength. We all have different levels of strength, but we don't want to walk in our own strength. No matter how strong we are, we don't want to walk in our own strength. We want to walk in the power of your spirit. 
And so today, Father, I pray that as we sing this song, that we just invite you into our life. You begin to speak to us about places where we need to be changed. Bring conviction to us. Give us the power to speak with conviction. See others drawn to you. And Lord, let this day be a day where we walk in your strength. Father, we've kind of been all over the place laying the groundwork for this today. But Lord, we pray that we would have a new understanding, that five weeks from now we'd have a new understanding, biblical understanding, biblical truth, of how your spirit works in our lives in Jesus' name. Father, you know every circumstance around this altar. You know, Father, whether it's circumstances that drives, that, that's driven us to a point where we're struggling or whether, Father, there's uh, just a need of a new touch of your spirit in our life today. But, Father, right now in Jesus' name, I pray that we would just begin to open our lives today, tomorrow, and the next day. That when we sense this spirit, whatever it might be, Father, of despair, of loneliness, of anxiety, of fear, that would rob us of joy, that instead of us, Father, trying to wrestle through it on our own, that we would just turn and look to you and say, this isn't the spirit that's supposed to be in me. And we would invite your spirit to come in and fill us with new joy. Today we stand around this altar and we pray you'd fill us with joy. Fill us with your hope. Fill us with your peace. Fill us, Father, with your strength today. And let your spirit be upon us. We're so thankful that you're not far from us. We're so thankful, Father, that you're right here to be with us. That your son promised that, that you would come, that, your, that this precious spirit would be upon us. So, Lord, let us talk rightly about him. Let us receive him rightly and open our hearts rightly to him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We love you. God loves you. Never forget that. God bless you. Grace and peace.